This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Indeed, live from Toronto, and it's good to be back after two weeks on the road. My sojourn in uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, the Bay Area up to Vancouver, Washington, finally Seattle, and then uh, back. And last week, of course, the program came to you live from Grants Pass, uh, Oregon. Uh, interesting thing about uh, Grants Pass, ostensibly it was uh, named to honor General uh, Ulysses Grant's victory at Vicksburg, although that's actually uh, under some contention. So why it's called Grants Pass, Oregon, I don't know exactly, although it is a beautiful little spot. If you'll permit me a little levity, if that's possible, on the eve of the 47th anniversary of JFK's assassination, and we will get to that in a moment, I, I do feel that I owe you an explanation. We were, uh, I say we, my television crew and I, out west, shooting interviews, and I interviewed uh, people like G. Uh, Edward Griffin, his new film on chemtrails, and I presented the theatrical debut uh, last night at the Bloor Cinema. Uh, I interviewed uh, John Rappaport of nomorefakenews.com about One World Government. All of these will be seen on my TV show uh, coming up in February, and there'll be an official announcement at some point. I'm not sure when, and I I appreciate your patience on this, but it is coming. Uh, However, I'm out west. We're racing back from Seattle to get to L.A. It's a 17-hour drive. We have to be... We finished... My my last interview was in Seattle with Eric Lawyer, who is a firefighter and the founder and director of Firefighters for 9-11 Truth. So that's Sunday. We have to get back to L.A. Monday at 3 o'clock as my director, Jalal Murray, has to catch a flight back to Toronto. So 
we're just burning rubber. I tell you, I'm sitting uh, next to him in the passenger seat, and I felt like an extra in the French Connection. That's the way this guy drives. <laughs> Keeping in mind, you know, it's like the 101 going through the redwood uh, forest and everything, hairpin curves and everything, white knuckle all the way. So we realized, I said, Jalal, we have to stop. I have to do my radio show. I have to get into a hotel. I, I did it live via Skype. So we found a hotel. It was, it was the only one that wasn't booked solid. They had one room left. Keeping in mind, there's three of us, my, my DOP, uh, Shiresh, uh, who's um, a cinematographer from Bollywood, Jalal Murray, the director. So they say, okay, there's, we got one room, three guys. They, they take the two beds. They're sleeping while I'm doing the show. So if you heard something on the air, can we hear a little bit about what you might have heard last week? That was not an episode on exorcisms. That was not uh, some demonic presence in the room. That was our our poor DLP who was snoring. And uh, if you found that distracting and annoying, I apologize. But that is live radio at its best. That was uh, at a comfort inn in Grants Pass. <laughs> and poor Shiresh Rohin, our DOP, who has sleep apnea. Okay, on to more serious matters. Tomorrow of course, marks the 47th anniversary of uh, when JFK was shot. And of course, the old joke when you say, where were you when JFK sh- was shot? Uh, younger kids today think you're talking about the Oliver Stone movie. Uh, but we are talking about the assassination of the 35th president in Daly Plaza, November 22nd, 1963. And we have to mark the occasion. And no better way to do that than to speak with a pioneer in the research the assassination research field. He is a media scientist. He is a former archivist for the late Marshall McLuhan, one of the great thinkers of all time, a Canadian. And he's also responsible for smuggling the Zapruder film into Canada in the early 1970s, where it was broadcast, I believe, on a CBC border station. And that is where millions and millions of North Americans saw the Zapruder film, perhaps for the very first time. A great pleasure to welcome back to the program broadcaster, writer, researcher, Nelson Thal. Hey, Nelson. It's great being back here, uh, Richard, and uh, welcome. It's just terrific. I'm looking forward to, uh, on this auspicious occasion, just, you know, uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you and I have been living through for the, since 63. Well, a lot of people say, what is there left to talk about when it comes to uh, to the JFK assassination? And you're constantly amazing me with these little tidbits of information, connecting the dots, who was responsible for, for letting Oswald into the country, who provided him sort of aid and comfort while he was here. Uh, you were the one that first showed me the famous uh, AP photograph, which appears to show Oswald in the on the on the ground level... On the steps, I guess, of the uh, uh, doorway. the doorway, rather, of the, uh, the, t- the Texas Book uh, Depository, as the motorcade is driving by, and you can actually see at that moment that that photo was shot, Kennedy's head appears to be moving forward. In other words, he had been struck in the throat at that moment. And there is Oswald, who's uh, either an Olympic sprinter, and was able to, you know, 
move down from the uh, was it the third floor, sixth, sixth floor. floor. Sorry, the sixth floor uh, to street level when that shot was taken, or Oswald was not the gunman. But those are the sorts of things that you have over the years, Nelson, brought to my attention. What we're going to do tonight in the first hour, as we mark the occasion of the 47th anniversary tomorrow of President Kennedy's assassination, or shall I say coup d'etat, uh, and we'll discuss that in a moment, uh, we're going to do a little slideshow. And uh, if you go onto the, uh, the website, richardserrett.com, and you'll notice on the, the homepage under tonight's show, 11 p.m. JFK assassination, 47th anniversary. And uh, you'll see the, the first paragraph there, intro to the show. It says, follow the JFK assassination slideshow on tonight's program here. And the here is highlighted in yellow. So again, go to richardserrett.com, the homepage, and then look for follow the JFK assassination slideshow on tonight's program here. So if you click on that, that takes you to Nelson's JFK assassination picture uh, page and he's going to we're going to get a uh, sort of a guided tour through some of these photos and we're going to find out who these people are and uh, and and what it's all about. And before we do that, a quick heads up what's coming up a little bit later in the program. And Nelson, you're going to stick around for this being the media scientist. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about television, the ultimate psychological warfare weapon. We're going to speak with a former Hollywood filmmaker, Steve Jacobson. He's going to discuss his in-depth research into the use of hypnotic programming in North America and, again, television as the ultimate psychological warfare weapon. All right, we're going to come up uh, to a break here in just a moment, but let's get started with slide number one on the... Uh, this is like the, uh, the, garrison, uh, the garrison lecture, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we've got audiovisual aids here. So let, well, let's go to the first slide, Nelson. Yeah, the first slide should be number one. Let's go to 11, Richard. It's this one right here. It's Ruth and Michael Payne. I think that's where we should start tonight uh, on new ground. Okay, so if you count uh, over 11, 11. 11 yeah. uh, slide number 11 on that link, if you're yeah. following along at home, and if you're not, just imagine, here's a picture, Ruth and Michael Payne, you're saying these Oswald's were... Oswald's handlers. Oswald, speak into the, yeah, the mic. these were right? Oswald's handlers. Uh, uh, when Oswald arrived in... Uh, the United States, uh, his wife started to live with Michael and Ruth Payne, and he lived there, and uh, very, very quickly he got himself a separate room, but um, uh, it was uh, Michael and Ruth Payne who looked after his wife, and, and um, Michael Payne uh, got him uh, the job at the Texas School Book Depository okay. through contacts, such as George DeMorenschild. It doesn't really matter the contacts right now, but let's just remember that Michael Payne got Oswald the job at the Texas School Book Depository. All right. So he was the, got the, the pigeon in the palace, so to speak. All right, and who are Ruth now, and Michael Payne? Now, Michael and Ruth Payne, uh, Michael Payne was an employee at Bell Helicopter, and he worked directly for Walter Dornberger. Now, Walter Dornberger was uh, Hitler's general in charge of the V-2 rocket program. Right. Von, Brauner, von Braun worked for Dornberger. Von Braun worked for Dornberger, and Michael Payne at, at Bell Helicopters worked for Dornberger because the V-2 rocket, head of the V-2 rocket program for Hitler, Dornberger, became vice president of Bell Helicopters after the war. And the way he got out of, the, out of Germany was through the Vatican's rat line, Operation Paperclip, moved him from Nazi Germany 
right to Bell Helicopters. And it was he who had the connection and got Oswald the job at the School Book Depository. So right off the bat, big pictures are starting to be filled in. And of course, Richard, we rely on the work. We, re we stand on the shoulders of giants, as we've said. Kennedy talked about a secret society that was the enemy of the United States. McLuhan said it was a secret society that had the arts and sciences in its pockets. Our arts and sciences in its pockets. Our reality, in other words. Our, exactly. Garrison, May Brussel, and Skolnick were the great titans who filled in and uh, the, 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 uh, the jigsaw puzzle. And um, you can see, as we're going to go through tonight, the connection from Clay Shaw right through to uh, the papacy. And De Clay Shaw was convicted, was not convicted, but was charged with the murder by the district attorney of New Orleans, Jim Garrison, which the movie by Oliver Stone, JFK, is about. It's about Garrison, not about JFK. It's just called JFK. Okay. Um, let's, That's how important Garrison was. Let's, when we come back, we will um, we'll just maybe connect some dots between Dornberger, Bell Helicopters, and the assassination of yeah. JFK. Why? Dornberger. During the ad, they can take a look at uh, slide 10, shows Dornberger with Von Braun. All right. Nelson Thal, media scientist, as we commemorate the 47th anniversary of JFK, we'll find out why Nelson Thal calls that day, in fact, a coup d'etat. And uh, let me also open up the phone lines. If you have questions or comments about the JFK assassination, we'll, uh, we'll talk about this for an hour and then move on and talk about the television as a psychological warfare weapon. Hope you'll stay with us for the full two hours. My name is Richard Serrett. But no, what happened was Oswald's gun went off causing an echo to echo through the buildings of Dealey Plaza. And the echo went by the limo on the left up into the grassy knoll, hitting some leaves, causing dust to fly out, which 56 witnesses testified was a gunshot, because immediately Kennedy's head went over. But the reason his head went over is because the echo went by the motorcade on the left, and he went, what was that? So there, we have figured it out. Go back to bed, America. Your government has figured out how it all transpired. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control again. The magic bullet enters the president's back, headed downward at an angle of 17 degrees. It then moves upward in order to leave Kennedy's body from the front of his neck. Wound number two. Where it waits 1.6 seconds. Presumably in midair, where it turns right, then left, right, then left, and continues into Conley's body at the rear of his right armpit. Wound number three. The bullet then heads downward at an angle of 27 degrees, shattering Conley's fifth rib and exiting from the right side of his chest. Wound number four. The bullet then buries itself into Conley's left thigh. Wound number five. In which it later falls out and is found in almost pristine condition on a stretch in a corridor of Parkland Hospital. That's some bullet. That's some bullet. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, Call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. The uh, theme song that normally opens the show 
Leonard Cohen's Everybody Knows is quite telling, and, and I never actually thought about it in these terms until, Nelson, you pointed it out to me just before the show. We didn't hear that theme song tonight because it's a JFK assassination special, but the line in the opening to this show, Everybody Knows, Everybody Knows the Good Guys Lost. What does that mean in the context of the JFK assassination, Nelson, and what you're telling me about the, the Nazis exfiltrated out of Europe into the U.S.? By the well, the Battle of the Bulge went much farther than what we were led to believe, but because of the work of Skolnick and May Brussel and Jim Garrison and others, but those major shoulders that we stand on, we know basically that what what um, what basically happened was that uh, Reinhard Galen, Hitler's general, took control of the CIA, OSS, and created the CIA and the Mossad. Fritz Kramer, we've got pictures of him on the site. Fritz Kramer uh, became chief plans officer of the Pentagon. Uh, May Brussel discovered that. Von Braun, another general, took over NASA. And Mengele became, uh, got a medical lab uh, in China Lake, California on a military base. So who won the war? Since they took control of the high ground, they took the Pentagon, the intelligence agencies now became theirs. Interpol, Interpol is all run by by uh, uh, was taken over by the top Nazis, and so the it, UN it, it, and the it, it, UN Kurt Waldheim moved in and became Secretary General of the UN of the world. The Secretary General of the world was a Waffen SS soldier, Kurt Waldheim. This has all happened in our time. Of, it's not, I'm not. I'm, this is not a matter of debatable interpretation. It's a matter of fact. It's just a matter of putting together the dots of what's been going on. This so if the Allies won about. the war, why would their entire intelligence operation or intelligence apparatus and the Pentagon be taken over by Nazis that were exfiltrated out of Europe? Hitler's generals. Through paper all, all of Hitler's so, generals. So let's get back to Dornberger then, right. who was the head of uh, the V2 rocket program in Germany. He's <laughs> now vice in, – in, in 63, he's now vice president of Bell Helicopter – uh, and two of his employees, Ruth and Michael Payne, you're telling me, housed Oswald, got him a job in the in the Texas Book de- uh, Depository. <laughs> right. Uh, the pigeon in the palace, as you yeah. say. So connect the dots for me. Why Bell? You know why Dornberger wanted Oswald in? Uh, what's the connection between Bell Helicopter and the assassination of JFK? Well, um, first of all, I mean. Anybody who is obviously the pains were part of this assassination operation. They were one component of it. And the fact that uh, they were basically under the tutelage of, of uh, Hitler's generals and Clay Shaw was charged by uh, – Clay Shaw was – oh, was charged by Jim Garrison, don't forget. And remember the, um, the connection between uh, – uh, the, if you read May Brussel's great piece, the Nazi connection to the JFK assassination, you now have all the pieces from the Dallas police force right to uh, the senior levels of the Nazi generals. Okay, but Bell Helicopter. Well, Bell Helicopters, of course, feeds in this way. Um, the first phone call to um, the first phone call to the police, the Dallas police, at telling them to go to the theater. To pick up the man, Oswald, a man who they went in and didn't buy a, a ticket. That was the only thing he did. The phone call came from Bell Helicopters. The phone call to the police. Came from their offices. Came from their offices. All right. So I'm trying to connect the dots here. 
Why would, I mean, aside well, from the fact that Dornberger is vice president of Bell Helicopter, is, yeah. is there something that, that Kennedy did that... Oh, oh, the modus? Yeah. Well, Richard, you know, on various levels, there's a lot of real reasons and motives for this for, to get Kennedy out of the way. Um, but remember, at, we were at a point where the executive branch was, was – it was time to remove the executive branch as far as the papacy was concerned. That was part of the counter-reformation. It's called executive action, the book, I wa- I want to not stop presidential there. action. And while they were arguing and creating this phony argument about can you get the body illegally out of Texas or not, telephone companies and Colonel North were moving into the White House. So it was the real takeover, not so much of the president. It was the takeover of the executive branch of government on November 22nd. Okay, I have on. to stop you there because I want to make a very clear distinction here. You, you mentioned, you've mentioned the papacy twice. Yeah. I want to make a distinction here. You're yeah. not talking about the Catholic Church because I don't— No, the, the, the Catholic Church has nothing to do with the papacy and the Va- Catholic Church has nothing to do with the Vatican. Okay. These, ba- these organizations have their own banking— Separate from the church. Okay. As long as we're clear. I need own, to draw a clear their distinction. Own p- bankers. Thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. So, the, I guess what I was after there was uh, there was a rumor. Uh, it's not a rumor. Kennedy was, there was an executive order, I believe, on his desk. He wanted to withdraw U.S. advisors from Vietnam. In other words, the, the war never would have escalated exactly. in Vietnam, U.S. participation. And obviously, we have those iconic images of the U.S. military helicopters, Bell helicopters, landing in Vietnam. That must have been an enormous contract. Exactly. Is that one of the motives? Certainly one of the motives. It's also, one of the motives is the closing of the tax, the tax loophole in Loophole, Texas. And uh, the, the, the Kennedy gave a lot of motives to a lot, made a lot of enemies. And so there were a lot of people who were prepared to just look the other way or help out covering it up. Uh, We can go through many of the motives. He started to print money, as you know. Remember the Fed? Non-Fed reserve money. Right. He started to print the $2 bill. So he started to go into competition with the Fed and he gave – so – Okay. Let's look at another slide here. Let's look at another slide before we break. Nelson Thal is uh, with us as we discuss the 47th anniversary of the JFK assassination. Well, okay. Well, Richard, you know we've got um, the f- the uh, the picture of Penn Jones and and Sherman Skolnick right there, number three in in De- in Dealey Plaza. Okay, let's do that. Slide number three. And again, if you're following along the JFK slideshow, which seems strange on yeah. radio, but bear with me. If you go to richardserrett.com. And uh, richardserrett.com, and, and it says on the homepage, follow J- the JFK assassination slideshow on tonight's program by clicking here. And that takes you to uh, Nelson's JFK assassination page. Okay, so slide number three, counting over from the left, we have Penn Jones Jr. with the late great American Judge Buster Sherman H. Skolnick. Right. And they're surveying Dealey Plaza. Okay, so Penn Jones. Why are we looking at this slide? Well, these two guys were really responsible for unearthing a lot of the connections between what was going on in Dallas and how the assassination was actually carried out and how the teams were brought into place. And, of course, they realized by being there right off the bat that the change of the route from Elm and and the turn the parade route. Let's look at that slide in a second. But let me just mention Penn Jones. Yeah. Penn Jones is the one that gave you the a copy of the Zapruder film that was given to him by Garrison 
You you met him at Love's Airfield in Dallas? No, I met him here. Yes, exactly. He well, I met you, him on a lot of occasions, but yes. But he gave you the he gave you he the gave film canisters. The film. Yes. You smuggled it on smuggled a, a commercial airline States. into Canada. <laughs> yeah. What would have happened if you were to cut you were caught 77 years. You would have been sentenced 77 years. Yeah. Why? It was owned well, by Time Life, was it well, not? Well, I guess it's like why are there guys at Gitmo? You know, because right. I was a terrorist. I'd be a terrorist. Okay. But it was a copy of the film. It was a copy it was of the film. It was a copy of the film. Do you think yes. it was doctored? Oh, for sure it was doctored, but it was a, co- a, a it wasn't doctored from the time I got it from Garrison. The film that Garrison got it because over the lunch break during the the Clay Shaw trial, he subpoenaed it from Time Life. They brought it out of the safe over the lunch hour. He had a film lab on standby and he whisk, whisk, whisked it off made a copy and brought it back by the time lunch was over. Illegally. Illegally. Right. So even he, the, the district attorney, made an illegal copy. And you brought it into Canada and you took it to a CBC station? I brought it into Canada and eventually brought it to a CBC border station, two border stations, and had it aired at, at 2 in the morning. What, 1970, 71? 1973. You must have been, what, 1920 at the time? Uh, in 1973, I was 21 years old. A kid, a kid. Kid. You must yeah. have been kind of nervous. Yeah, I was very nervous. All right, next slide. Oh, let, let's, uh, let's get a, uh, a break out of the way. We'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll get to the next slide as we discuss the JFK assassination. We'll also find out why Nelson says this was, in fact, a coup d'etat, not simply the assassination of the 35th president. This was an entity, a group of individuals taking over the apparatus of governance in the United States on November 22nd, 1963. Stay with us. And who killed the president? Oh, man, why don't you stop it? This is too big for you, you know that? This is, who did the president? It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. Shooters don't even know, don't you get it? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Thousands will be on hand for that motorcade now, which will be downtown Dallas, uh, down uh, Cedar Springs, to Harwood, and on Harwood it'll turn on Maine, from which point it'll go all the way down to the courthouse area, which is the end of Maine. It'll turn on uh, Houston Street to Elm under the triple underpass after the march where the president talks at uh, approximately 1 o'clock. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You'll excuse the fact that I'm out of breath, but about 10 or 15 minutes ago, a tragic thing from all indications at this point has happened in the city of Dallas. Let me quote to you this. This is from the United Press from Dallas. President Kennedy and Governor John Connolly have been cut down by assassins' bullets in downtown Dallas. They were riding an open automobile when the shots were fired. The president, his limp body carried in the arms of his wife, Jacqueline, has rushed to Parkland Hospital. We just have a report from our correspondent, Dan, rather in Dallas, that he has confirmed that President Kennedy is dead. There is still no official confirmation of this. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, Presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Slide number 60 in our JFK assassination slideshow, courtesy of Nelson Thal, media scientist. Uh, we have a exhibit number three. It's the original parade route. This is the published route that the presidential motorcade was to take from Love Field uh, and, and end, end up, uh, I guess, uh, on um, heading into the, uh, the Stemmons Freeway. Now, this isn't the parade route that they followed. It was, in fact, changed at the last moment uh, I guess to allow for sort of the triangulation, the, the, the you which know, you can the, see at slide fifty nine. Okay, shows. but let's look at okay first sixty. This is the 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 the, right. the, the official parade route, and right. and, uh, and you can see right down it says Main Street. It right. doesn't say it doesn't say Houston or Elm. No, but he did. They they diverted from this at the last minute. I mean, when I say last minute, how how soon or how late in the game was it changed the parade route? Well, it was. It, 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 first of all, the mayor of Dallas, Earl Cabell, is the brother of Charles Cabell, who was deputy director of the CIA. So the deputy director told his – was in control – was in on it with, with his brother. Okay. And he and his brother who was – that's why Dallas – it was done in Dallas and they were able to get it done in Dallas because the deputy director of the CIA's brother was the deputy – was the mayor of Dallas. So normally that would have be approved by the Secret Service, yeah. except that the head of the Secret Service was on was, was the Secret Service weren't told they knew nothing about it. And the head, the, normally the, the the main guy on the ground for the Secret Service was was out of town. Didn't they send him on some wild goose chase to the to Australia or something? He wasn't the head of the Secret Service. What he was was he was the Fletcher Prouty. Fletcher Prouty, Colonel Fletcher Prouty, Secret Team wrote the book Secret Team. He was the he was the commander in chiefs. He was the Pentagon's representative to guard the president. Okay. See, the president was guarded not only by the Treasury Department agents, which is called the Secret Service, but the Pentagon sends their team to guard him. And that was headed by Fletcher Prouty, and they sent him to Antarctic to do a meaningless peep show that day. So that was Donald Sutherland's character in, 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 JFK. in JFK. So he right. gets they send him out of town, town, and then they flip the parade route last minute to allow for the triangulation. They bring they take him away from the published route, which the Secret Service, which was a safe route, right past the in, Texas Book Depository, and and into Dealey Plaza and the Grassy Knoll and the Grassy Knoll and the sewer system and everything. It was a whole triangulation. It was a turkey shoot. They had five shooters, five teams uh, with, with, with radios, and it was a very, very precise strike. And they had a second assassination team in case there was a failure in Dealey Plaza. Yeah, the more I read into this uh, and the number of assassins and people that had oh, guns, it, it turns out well, that the Richard, only person without a weapon that day was Conley. <laughs> that's right. A third of the Air Force and the military were up in the air. The cabinet, the entire cabinet of the United States was on a flight to Japan and the code book had been taken out of the plane and the Washington phone system was cut uh, an hour before the assassination. This was a high level strike from the top down, the most powerful forces on the planet and it was done with precision at high noon in Dallas within 40 yards of the sheriff's desk just to show you how powerful they are. And Richard, to show you how powerful they are, I wanted everybody to go to the picture 
which is which we have here, and we can go through this another time because it's a bigger story than just the assassination. But if if what's could, the slide number? Uh, if we go to sl- slide number thirty nine. Okay, slide number 39, and again, you can get to the link right. by going to richardserrett.com, the homepage, and then click here for the slideshow, and now, it'll take you right there. The slide story 39. here is very important. That's Stalin. It's Stalin with his handler with Averill Harriman. His, Stalin's handler was Averill Harriman. He was the, now, the Harrimans, they, they were, one of them was the governor of New York. Now, John Loftus, in his book, The Secret War Against the Jews, points out that when Stalin had his breakdown in 1941, Harriman was sent over to run and rule Russia. So Harriman. Harriman was sent to rule Russia. That's why there's a friendly picture of he with Stalin in this picture. When Stalin had his nervous breakdown, Harriman was sent in to rule Russia by the ruling elite that controlled Russia. Harriman is... And control it to this day. But, but Harriman is an American, ostensibly, or Harriman's, an Anglo-American establishment. The Brown Harriman Bank right. was cited, cited and attacked. It was charged by the U.S. government with financing Hitler. Along so with he, Prescott Bush. Along with Prescott Bush. He was, was he a partner in Brown Harriman? Yes. Prescott Bush was the president of Brown Harriman. Okay. And, and the Harrimans, one of them was governor of New York. I know that. Well, E.H. Harriman, if you watch the, the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Harriman to the railroad industry is what Gates was to the computer industry. Okay. So you're saying, okay, Harriman goes in. These in are the big, and big rules the Soviet Union, that, supposedly America's enemy. Supposedly America's enemy. Wall, read Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, right? right. The bankers which, which run Russia, right, own Russia, etc., of course, create the Cold War in order to sell arms and to kill lots of people. Okay, interesting, it, but what does this have to do with the JFK assassination? Why do you bring this slide up, Nelson? Well, of course, Harriman was very much involved in covering up the assassination. How so? Well, his law firm was involved in the cover-up. Uh, his law firm worked for, for uh, worked for the entire cover-up of it. Worked for George Bush. George Bush was. There's pictures. We can go to the pictures. We should show. George Bush was in Dealey Plaza. Uh, if you go to slide number thirty-three. Okay, he hang was on. Right slide number the, thirty-three. He was right there at the textbook school depository. Uh, on that day, he was the mo- he was the running the assassination for the CIA, George Herbert Walker Bush, and you can see Pete photos thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. Well, he, I mean, he was an employee of the CIA. 36. Why wouldn't the Why wouldn't someone working for the CIA be with the president on that day? Why is that an implication? Why is he being impl- implicated? Simply well, because he's there in Dallas. Well, he, it's more than implication because if you go to um, remember, let's remember that the good question. There is if you go to um, picture number thirty-one, Richard, the State Department made a request to the FBI to tell them once and for all who this is a major event in American history. In writing, who was the president? Who assassinated Kennedy? And if you go to picture thirty-one, it's the letter from no- on November 29th from J. Edgar Hoover to the State Department. And if you read the letter, just to summarize, <laughs> Richard, he says that basically he says that he tells them in writing in the first three paragraphs everything that they learned that it was a- Oswald, anti Castro, and he says they learned about Oswald. Everything the FBI has, they learned about it. Orally, not in writing, orally from Mr. George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency. In other words, George was the guy that was selected to give them the official, the cover story for Oswald. Exactly. So he gave them the official cover story. So he lied about it. 
in big big time because Oswald, remember, very important to always remember, Dallas Police Chief Curry lied and for seven years he withheld the facts of the forensic tests done on Oswald on that day. The forensic tests, the paraffin tests, showed negative. In other words, now that, they, now, they, cover, they cover the arms with, uh, with paraffin wax, wax to see if there's any gun uh, residue. Residue, and it proved negative that day. If Pat, Chief Curry had made that open to the press... Oswald never fired a rifle on that day. Never fired a rifle. And the police, Dallas police chief refused to tell it, and he released it seven years later. And who do you think he went to work for after he left the Dallas police? Clint Murchison in the oil industry and George Bush. All right. Okay. Let's go to the phones. Mark the is in Brampton. Are tremendous. Mark is in Brampton. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show, Mark. Yeah, I'd just like to clarify the um, the allegation that the, the man in the doorway, uh, when the shots are fired, is Oswald. Oh, the, the famous AP photo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's not Oswald. That's uh, depository employee Billy Lovelady. No way. Sorry, that's yeah. absolutely false. Now I've got a I've got a picture. If you look at the shirt that Love Lady's supposedly wearing, and I've got that, I knew a CIA guy would call up. I knew a <laughs> Are you, the, are you with the company, Mark? Are you I, with I the knew company? a guy would call up because everybody you know, who studied this assassination uh, knows yeah, Richard well, you, no, knows you know, that if you uh, look at the shirt uh, that Oswald was wearing. Hang on, let me let, let, let Nelson respond, yeah, Mark, experts, and then we'll let you respond. Experts identified. If you go to, uh, uh, if I can get the slide out, you can see the shirt he was wearing. It's yeah. identical to this ma the man in the doorway. And by the way, Robin McNeil of the McNeil Lair report. Reported that he had seen Oswald in the doorway at the moment of the assassination. Yeah, so as he was. Yeah, as he was going into the, at the uh, moment of the assassination. It was wasn't Billy Lovelady, and that's pretty well been proven by uh, the the must the May Brussels Sprouts and and the and and Robert Groden and other people, Josiah yeah. Thompson and other experts have shown that they've identified fourteen different points on the shirt that Oswald was wearing that identifies with that Alkins picture. Well, Wesley Frazier um, claims it was Billy Lovelady. But, yeah, um, well. Yeah, Os well, of course, Oswald never claimed he was there when the shots were fired anyway. So. Sure he did. No, he claimed he was He sure did. He said he was in the doorway. Oh, he never did. You're making that up. No, Absolutely. I'm not. That's a, no, that's you, a, no, no, no. You, you, well, pull up Roger Craig reported that, and Roger Craig lost his life because of it. Dallas yeah, Police Sergeant Roger Craig, Craig reported that as well. That you Oswald go, you said go, that. You go to Oswald's interviews in the press, and, and one guy asked him, like, were you in the building at the time of the assassination? He says, well, naturally, I was, I'm, an I'm an employee. Yeah, I'm just you saying know? that, you know what, it, it, if you go through the documents and see it and re read the, the, the experts and the re research, you'll see that, I mean, he was, that's, he, he was there and he said he was there. And um, the, motorcycle, the motorcycle cop first came up to him, testified in the Warren Commission that he put a gun to the guy's belly and he said he wasn't out of breath. I, uh, I, I forget the name well, of the, the, the motorcycle yeah, cop. So there's a lot of evidence to prove it was Oswald. Listen, Mark, listen, I appreciate the call. That's an interesting uh, a, a point and an interesting point of debate. And um, we'll probably won't resolve it tonight. You have an interesting uh, let me just perspective. Say this, Nelson yeah. has one. Let's, no, we'll, we'll take a yeah, break, yeah. come back, and uh, get to some more calls as well if you want to jump in on our discussion. The JFK uh, 47th anniversary of his assassination. And Nelson is showing me as we go to break. This is the uh, the this love the lady. Of, uh, page That's... 116 is the shirt love lady. Photo, uh, 116. photo 116. is the photo love lady was supposedly wearing 
uh, it looks nothing like the man in the doorway. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. Stay with us. I love talking about Kennedy. I was just down in Dallas, Texas. You know, you can go down there and uh, to Dealey Plaza where Kennedy was assassinated. And you can actually go to the sixth floor of the school book depository. It's a museum called the Assassination Museum. <laughs> anyway, they have the window set up to look exactly like it did on that day. And it's really accurate, you know, because Oswald's not in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, welcome back. If you go to the homepage, richardserrett.com, and uh, you can click on... Follow the JFK Assassination Slideshow on tonight's program here, and that'll take you to the JFK Assassination Slideshow. Courtesy of Nelson Thal, who's here, media scientist, JFK assassination researcher, and a host of Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel every other Thursday night. Uh, Bloomandsteel.com. Bloomandsteel.com. All right. Now, the, uh, we had an interesting and caller. Click who's, on Shock Talk. Okay, yeah. very quickly. Um, this is interesting. The, the famous AP photo, which right. you and other researchers contend, it clearly shows Oswald in the doorway of the Texas Book Depository at the moment of, uh, of the, the, the assassination, which would clearly then rule out Oswald as a gunman. Mark from Brampton called in and said that was not Oswald. That was a Texas Depository employee, Billy Lovelady. And uh, they seem to be wearing similar clothes. Uh, you wanted to show me another photo or direct us to another photo, which proves your point, Nelson. Well, if you go to 62, Rich. Okay, just stay on mic there. Okay, 60. Go to 62. Okay. Uh, let me see here. 62. Go to 62, and you'll see the shot we're talking about. 62. It's right there. Okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. They've, they've enlarged the shot of the man in the doorway, and you can see the shirt that he's wearing. And if you go to 63, page 60, if you go to shot 63, okay. you can see the, the shirt he was arrested Okay, with. go back to, go back to uh, 62 again. Now, the, the, uh, the naysayers, the guys who are covering, trying to cover the whole thing up and not... Uh, and show me Billy Lovelady, Bill Lovelady again. Is, is six, no, that's, 16. It, it, now, this is a mugshot of him. That's taken at the moment, the, that's the same taken, day? Uh, that's taken a few, a few days later. Okay, but he's not wearing the same shirt. That's so the shirt he said he was wearing Oh, that he day. claimed he was wearing that shirt. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. I, and those who were in the area claimed that that's the shirt he was wearing Okay, well, day. he clearly, that's not the, the fellow that was in the doorway. Then. Obviously, okay. it's not the guy in the doorway. All right, let's but, go to Joe in uh, Toronto on the phones and get a call in here. Joe, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? All right, let's go to Joe in uh, Toronto. Oh, yeah. Joe has his radio Turn down on. your radio, Joe. Hi. Hi, Joe. Go uh, ahead. Now, I was... Uh, Joe yeah, okay, I'm doing that. Uh, now, I'm wondering if, uh, if there's any possibility uh, in connection with the assassination with the, with the death of uh, Kennedy's son and uh, the tragedy that uh, the Kennedy family sort of has inherited. It seems far beyond coincidental as far as I'm concerned. 
Do you think there was an ongoing uh, 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 thing going to uh, get rid of the Kennedys, or what's your opinion on that? Good question, Joe. Well, let's talk about John Jr., yeah. Um, obviously, assassinated. Um, Everybody uh, knows that he was assassinated. Yeah, was he? Was I, he because he was going to run for the Senate and perhaps might have started to try to reopen the uh, the investigation? Do you think? You know, Richard, the the um, these high level ruling elite families that control are no different than the lower level mob, Italian Sicilian mob families. And they don't get mad, they get even. So they do fight with each other and shoot each other, but they don't go to the police when... Oh, yeah, we're getting a feedback. Um, They don't go to the police when uh, one of their own is hit. I mean, these are... these. The the, 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 Joseph Kennedy was the U.S. and was a was also one of the uh, the men in the, involved with the bankers in the Wall Street and putting Russia in, behind the Bolshevik Revolution and behind the... And these men were manipulating geopolitics as wealthy bankers that now had more power than nation states. And so as a, as a group of bankers, they started to get together and, and, and try and uh, control uh, nation states, which was what happened. And the Kennedys got in the way of, of their, their father's business partners, which were included the British throne and the other ruling elite of the crowned heads of Europe. All right. Let's say hello to uh, Dana, who is in Salisbury, Connecticut. Connecticut checks in here on The Conspiracy Show. Good yes, evening, Dana. Uh, excellent, excellent show. Um, I uh, read about 100 books on the assassination. And... Um, I've come to the same conclusions, basically. Um, what I'd like to know is Jesse Ventura had a show on the other night um, about the uh, Tippett murder, and um, what he didn't say was that uh, the uh, shell casings found were NATO 9mm rounds, and Oswald had, a, I believe, a thirty eight um, in the uh, movie. Officer theater. Tippett was the one that confronted him, supposedly the police officer that confronted him at the movie house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, And I'd also like to add, um, I have the... Bill Cooper, um, um, the Pruder film, and I've done extensive research on frames 306, 307, and 308, and I see a Luger with a long barrel on the shoulder of, on the right shoulder of William Greer. Um, I like your Nelson's comments on that. Yeah, what is your, uh, that's interesting, I, I know, um, uh, what's the ex- actual source of your film, though, originally? where, What generation is it? Is it back to the Groden film, or is it some other? What, like, where does it come from? What's I got it from um, Bill Cooper's website, which is hourofthetime.com, I believe, the late Bill Cooper. Uh-huh. And I did extensive um, um, you know, research on those frames in a photo lab with $150,000 worth of equipment. And I was able to blow it up and um, freeze it and, um, you know, darken it a little bit. And you can see clearly a Luger with like a seven-inch barrel. And Nellie Conley, to her grave, said that there is definitely one shot within the limousine. Greer was a limo driver. Greer was a limo driver, right? Yes. Did you know that Nellie Conley um, said that? Yeah, I did. Uh, Uh, I was aware of that. And I think that... um, it's exciting to start thinking of all the different ways uh, in which they may have killed them. I mean, the last headshot didn't definitely did come from probably the, uh, you know, it's it it came from it pulled them off his seat so much. Penn Jones always said the that the the uh, the headshot did not come from the uh, the grassy knoll. He always claimed that the headshot came from the sewer. I have a picture of it. The sewer uh, is where the headshot came from. You know. Uh, Jones was on the scene and knew 
he knew that you could get down to the sewer from a, an opening from behind the, the picket fence, and he once took me down there. Um, I'll, I'll say this, that wherever it did come from, it on one level it's important, on another level, well, okay, it, it, it may have come from inside the car. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. And not only that, we live in an age where it's so easy to doctor these things, and you've got to ask yourself, is there any evidence of photos being doctored as well? And we know that the Paris match picture of Oswald in the garden, when it was handed to him, he was told, that's not me. And you could easily see the experts. It was this very, is where he's holding up the rifle. He's holding up the rifle, and the, and the shadow on the his nose looker. falls at a different angle from the shadow of his body. So they were able to see that the splice went right through the point above the chin. So they have used these guys to cover it up have used photo, uh, photographic piracy and altering before. And, and so, the, were, so um, they may do it again. They may not. It, it is interesting. Was this shot from inside? Who knows? Did you know that there was um, a shot in the windshield and there was a shot in the frame on the top of the windshield on the aluminum frame? Or the <laughs> yeah, frame? And, and it was of Lee Iacocca who, who, who uh, sanitized the, the, the car. Oh, wait a minute. Now. That's how where do you, he, hi, wait a second. That's where Lee he Iacocca. made his fame. That's, how do you know That's that? why he was given the powerful position he was, because he was involved that. in the cover-up of the car. Wait that's a minute. No, no, no. Well no, understood no, no, no. by no. everybody. You have, to, how do you, you have to prove that. Show that's, me some documentation. You can't implicate Lee Iacocca. That's well known. Well known by whom? That's well known by the insiders, by people. People involved in the assassination and and uh, insiders no, and no, whistleblowers no, no. and people involved in both the company and 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 involved in the uh, Secret Service. I have to challenge you on that one. Yeah. Lee, I, you're telling me that Lee Iacocca was involved in sanitizing the the vehicle. Yes, and that's how he got his position. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not buying. You heard that. it first here. Actually, All right, I'm not buying it. it. You know, there's a um, photograph also. Um, I'd like to send it to you. Of um, LBJ's limo, there his bodyguard on the left rear um, of the Lincoln. I think it was a convertible, I believe. Um, um, he has, you can see, he has a pistol pointing straight up in the air. Supposedly, the people say the first shot was a miss or uh, or um, you know a ricochet. Well, let's not forget the school children who saw men with machine guns on the overpass just uh, outside of Dealey Plaza. So, I mean, they had assassinate another assassination team ready to go. And what excuse would they have given everybody? They would have said, well, it was a team of Cuban exiles. T- Cuban. I mean, they had all sorts of stories ready, given whatever was. And, of course, the umbrella man was on the scene to right. decide whether or not they needed to go to work that day. All right, got to take a time out. When we come back, we'll continue with the JFK assassination slideshow now. Nelson Thal, media scientist, shock talk with Bloom and Steel. Uh, when we come back, I, I don't know if this has anything to do with the JFK assassination, but I noticed slide number 40 is a picture of Christopher Dodd, the Democrat U.S. Senator from Connecticut. Our last caller just from Connecticut. Why on earth would Christopher Dodd be on this photo or on the slideshow? We'll find out when the conspiracy show continues after this timeout. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Who are you scared of, Dave? Me? Everybody. Agency, mob, Cubans. That's it. Follow the Cubans. Check them out. Here, Miami, Dallas... 
Passcodes, personal identification numbers, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Steve Jacobson will be with us uh, after the top of the hour, after midnight. And uh, Nelson Thal, our media scientist uh, friend, will uh, stick around for that discussion as well. They'll kind of dovetail because uh, uh, if we're talking about uh, mainstream media as... uh, as a uh, psychological warfare weapon, it's certainly interesting to see what happened uh, on television in the uh, after the JFK assassination, of course, in November. Then you had the Beatles landing in America on the Ed Sullivan Show in the early nineteen in nineteen six early nineteen sixty four. Uh, you know, there may be some connection there. Is it a distraction? They introduced the sex, drugs, and rock and roll to America. Uh, so w- w- we'll continue on in some fashion, I'm sure, discussing JFK with Steve Jacobson. But uh, for now, a couple of quick questions. Yeah. There is a theory that his, the actual gunman who, who claims to have delivered the fatal headshot on orders of Charles Nicoletti and um, one of, another one of Sam Giancana's uh, guys from Chicago. I can't think of the other name. Uh, Nicoletti and somebody else. They were the, they were the, the, the hit team. And the the fellow in Joliet, Illinois, serving uh, life for, I believe, assist, uh, attempted murder of a police officer. His name is James Files. He claims to have been the Grassy Knoll gunman. Your thoughts on that quickly, Nelson? Uh, he may be the Grassy Knoll gunman. It has to be a Cuban, somebody who's small who can get – oh, the Grassy Knoll rather than yeah, the yeah. sewer gunman. Yeah. Uh, grassy Knoll gunman. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of different uh, – Jim Hinks has come out and – remember, Jim Hinks came out and said that he, he came to Garrison and said – he showed a picture of himself in Dealey Plaza right at the moment of the assassination. And you can see the the radio in his back pocket. He claimed to be part of the the communication team. Um, I don't even think the men on the communication team ultimately remembered where everybody was. Uh, obviously, there were five teams probably. Probably five teams is what it looks like, and and um, whether it's whatever the particular identity of the guy is is, is not really. Uh, the, it's possible he's still alive. He's possibly still alive. Look, I really think it's still possible that Oswald's still alive because there's a couple of things that are very odd that I think we have to look into, and that is that one, the Oswald that went to Russia was different than the height than the one who came back. That gave rise, of course, Ian Fleming talked, you know, from Russia with love. Right. Remember, let's remember that Lee Harvey Oswald was very important. He was a very successful spy. He was able to defect, get the U-2 shot down so that the, Russia, so the Soviets canceled the summit with Eisenhower. The way in which they canceled the summit meeting with Eisenhower. Which the, would have led to a, uh, a who knows what, detente. A de, whatever it was, the right-wing generals did not want them to meet. The way they got that stopped is they sent the top CIA-trained radar expert, Lee Harvey Oswald, to rat to out Russia, Gary Powers. To rat out – to not only give out Gary Powers but to expose the time that he's flying over so that the Russians can get up there fast enough. See, if you don't And that know embarrassed what, the, uh, the U.S. obviously. That, they, they were caught spying they and, were caught and spying so that and suspended Khrushchev, talks. Right. So you've got now this spy living in Minsk who's your golden hair guy 
who is the, you want to congratulate him. And of course, in volume 18 of the Warren Report, there's the Lee Harvey Oswald repatriation loan. So it's like the guys who he defects to the Soviet Union. And now the Americans should treat him like a traitor, but they don't. They send him money to come back. There's they, a check stub printed in the Warren Commission. Is there yeah, not an yeah. actual copy of the check the stub? Check stub. To volume repatriate 18 him. to repatriate him. So they pay to bring him back. And then they put him in charge with the the vice president uh, with Dornberger, and he gets them to Payne, and Payne takes him to, him to the style of school book. To, but it's not the Lee Harvey Oswald. It's a guy who's two inches shorter. So it's a double. And, of course, there were lots of Oswald doubles. Okay. So the real Oswald in, is probably still alive, still running operations, and has a new identity. Well, we talked on another program. You think we he actually that. showed up at one of your lectures. Yeah, I re- exactly. I don't want to go into that. Oh, that's another show. That's another, it's a, I don't know even if we want to talk about it. But the thing is this, that he is probably alive because let's also point out that when the CBS reporter just recently who was at the scene of the Oswald shooting by Gruby, he said after he retired, funny thing, we didn't see any blood. Well, if you get a, a gut shot... There's going to be more blood from a gut shot than right. anything else. Right. But funny thing, there was no blood. And I looked at the videotape when I was a kid, and I didn't see any blood. And there was no blood in any of the pictures. And the guy who was standing there said there was no blood. All right. Let's go to uh, Sterling, Illinois. And welcome. Is it Simone or Simon? It's Simone. Hello, Thank Simone. You. Welcome. I'm glad to be on. Um, I want to talk about Project 40. Uh, I want to ask about the documents that Jesse Van was handed um, about Project 40, but first I want to tell you that um, I have had a copy of a document for years. It's classified top secret. It's CIA. It's signed by James Angleton. It was uh, dated the day before Marilyn Monroe died, and it's about Marilyn Monroe, um, a wiretap of Dorothy. Yes, I'm familiar with the document. She was about to go public with uh, sort of pillow talk between her JFK about Roswell. Well, on the upper right-hand side of the document, it says PI-40. And so Jesse Ventura, on his most recent show, was handed a a bunch of CIA documents by a strange informant uh, about Project 40, which I found startling, you know, considering my Marilyn Monroe document. And I wonder what the guests think. I don't know what Project 40 is. Why don't you tell us? Well, it's... It's CIA, and it has to do with Richard Nixon. But um, there was there was so much information that I, <laughs> you know, I just can't you know tell you the details. Yeah. All I know is that James Jesus Engleton was, uh, yeah, well, James was Jesus a well. James Jesus Engleton was counter head of counterintelligence yeah, for CIA. He was a mole hunter. The right. movie uh, the movie Good Shepherd with Matt Damon is about right. Angleton. Right. Well, I've seen that document. It's all over the place. Greer, Stephen Greer has showed it to me, Dr. Stephen Greer. And, and he yeah. apparently and, uh, that uh, she was about to go public with uh, the pillow talk she had with JFK regarding uh, what happened at Roswell right. and other places. And and don't forget, uh, James Jesus Angleton was head of counterintelligence and head of the CIA desk for the Vatican intelligence. All right. Let's go to Pennsylvania quickly. One last call. Fred, you're on, you're on The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I want to ask the guest, and I want to ask him something after that as well. Uh, what does he think of the work of Gerald Posner and the uh, emphasis, re-emphasis uh, of, uh, about Oswald? And also I want to ask him about that uh, other book, Blood, Oil, and Money, uh, the one having to do with uh, Johnson and uh, Kennedy. Uh, right. My answer is stick to um, stick to Garrison, Skolnick, and May Brussel and Dave Emery 
and those are the people to stay with. Dave Emery is carrying the May Brussel to uh, go, Dave Emery Spitfirelist.com, and you'll find out what the the the, fat, the 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 fifth column guys who took over the United States what they're doing. Very quickly, uh, just a couple of seconds here. You've got a picture. Slide number forty is of uh, U.S. Senator from Connecticut, Chris Dodd. Why is he here? Because he is Joseph Stalin's grandson. It's Joseph Stalin's grandson. Take a look at the pictures and you'll see him. And That's he's been operating and running the United States. He's a big player. He's involved in all this economic stuff that's been going on since Obama got in. Joseph Stalin's grandson. And Stalin worked for Harriman. So who does, who does his grandson Everybody work Everybody knows the good guys lost. Thank good you, Larry Cohen. Lost. Thank you, Nelson Thal. Stick around. Steve yeah. Jacobson will talk about television as the ultimate psychological warfare weapon here on The Conspiracy Show. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Nelson and I, uh, as uh, we are always want to do, discussing, sort of rehashing the, uh, the, the hour we just spent talking about JFK. We were discussing it off the air, and, you know, we were saying, it's, what a, and one of the th- reasons this... JFK thing continues to hold such fascination is it's become it's a nexus for all of these different offshoots of various conspiracies. You can we just had the the caller talking about the James's James Jesus Angleton, um, the CIA mole hunter that that uh, phone tap on Marilyn Monroe and 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 she was murdered perhaps according to one theory she was going to divulge what JFK had told her in Pillow Talk about 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 UFO. So you've got the UFO thing connecting with the JFK assassination. You've got the 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 Bell helicopter link and of course uh, Kennedy was about to pull out US advisors so there wouldn't have been a Vietnam a US involvement in US war and of course Bell helicopter was a you know major supplier of weapons. So you've got that as a nexus. It's uh you've got the Nazi connection. It's just uh, it's it's amazing. You know we are going to shift gears here, but not really, uh, because we're about to talk about brainwashing, hypnotic programming in North America. And uh, I suppose you could argue that that really uh, took off in the early 1960s, perhaps in January of 1964, when uh, we all, well, not me, I was uh, maybe five days old, but when the Beatles hit the stage in New York on the Ed Sullivan Show, and uh, I'm not that old, Nelson. I'm, why are you laughing? Uh, but, uh, I mean, that was, perhaps, as much of a Beatle fan as I am, was maybe the beginning of uh, sort of the, bra- the brainwashing, a, a distraction to distract uh, America from the Kennedy assassination, the fact that a coup d'etat had taken place, 
And of course, the Beatles paved the way for uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, uh, and, and all that that has wrought. But here to discuss further is an interesting gentleman. He spent 13 years in the film industry and is a graduate of the Boston University School of Communications. Once he realized how the mass media was manipulating the minds of Americans without their knowledge or consent, he abandoned filmmaking. He then dedicated his energies to researching the hypnotic techniques being used to transform free-thinking individuals into mindless consumers and malleable tools of government. Stephen Jacobson is with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Welcome, Stephen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you. And uh, my, uh, my cohort tonight is uh, a JFK assassination researcher and also a media scientist, uh, Nelson Thal. I asked him sort of last minute to stick around because I thought he'd enjoy the, the conversation. So say hello to Nelson as well. Hello, Nelson. Yeah, looking forward to hearing uh, uh, how they've done it, how they've got everybody dumbed down. First, uh, uh, Stephen, we should mention the website, mindcontrolinamerica.com, www.mindcontrolinamerica.com in america.com you talk about television as being the ultimate psychological warfare weapon uh tell me about the genesis of this was this designed this the idiot box was it always intended to be thus or did someone stumble onto it later and say hey we can use it for this i believe that uh, right from the very beginning its potential as uh, an instrument of uh, mass persuasion and propaganda was recognized because the the mind control issue is not a new issue the the principles are ancient mankind has been suffering from the effects of mind control and mental manipulation for a very long time what what is different about uh, so-called modern times is the technology that allows for the implementation of these ancient principles on a massive scale to influence the thinking and behavior of large numbers of people well we have uh, you know I have the right person in studio to help me in this conversation because uh, Nelson was the the archivist for the late Marshall McLuhan. Of course, we all know his mantra, the medium is the message. Yes. So when it comes to television, are we talking about the content, the nature of the programming, or are we talking about the nature of the technology itself that is able to manipulate and hypnotize? Well, it's the nature of the technology itself. The content uh, doesn't matter. The content can... Uh, uh, be used to deepen the hypnotic trance, but uh, it's the very nature of the medium itself. And I, I, I think it's the ideal uh, way to talk about uh, the the issue of mind control because uh, uh, it uh, it illustrates so graphically the principles and the techniques of of mind control and hypnotic programming. Now. The fundamental problem that we face, not only in North America, but all over the world, because this is a global problem, we live in a virtual reality, in a controlled environment where very few people realize the extent to which we are all manipulated and controlled by the mass media. And not only by the mass media, but uh, by public education. Now, our society is the most manipulated and controlled society in history because of the programming and conditioning we all undergo through the mass media and public education. You, you couldn't have effective propaganda without the mass media and, and, the, and the consolidation of ownership of the various media, which, is our, which has occurred 
and not only in the communications industry, but in all areas uh, uh, of commerce, uh, there has been that trend towards consolidation of ownership. And then public education uh, is a softening up process uh, where uh, so-called facts are uh, are given with ulterior motives, uh, and uh, uh, that will be um, uh, uh, that will be uh, attended to later on in a, in a student's life. Storytelling is the oldest means of transmitting information in society about uh, telling people about how things work. Uh, transmitting information from one generation to the next, uh, giving information about what's right and wrong, what's acceptable and unacceptable behavior. And the arts are the ideal delivery system for propaganda. Many people, especially young people, accept unquestioningly the reality that's presented by the media, popular culture, movies, TV, music. They all carry messages about how society works and how people should behave. And so entertainment is not value-free. It has an ideological content, and it presents a worldview that influences those people who are watching the programming. In fact, entertainment is not just entertainment. It's, it's all propaganda. It, what differ, differentiates it is the intent of those who are providing the programming. Is it designed for the benefit of all people, the upliftment of mankind, or is it being used as an instrument to deceive and manipulate and advance the agenda of a, of a small group of people? Can you give me an example? I mentioned the Beatles earlier on in landing in the United States in 1964 on the Ed Sullivan Show, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people saw that as a sort of a salve to heal the wounds after the JFK assassination, but others might look at that and say, well, that was a distraction. Yes, it was a distraction. It was uh, the beginning of a, a cultural revolution that uh, not only affected um, uh, North America, but uh, had an impact on on uh, society all across all across the world. Now, before I get, get into specific examples, I'd like to focus first on, on the mechanism of how it works, and then that will lead in uh, by uh, naturally to uh, a whole series of examples. Good enough. Yes, please do. Now, television is by far the most powerful weapon of psychological warfare in history. And that, that is so important, I'll say it again, because I can't say it enough. Television is the most powerful weapon of psychological warfare in history, and yet most people don't think of television as a weapon because it has become a member of the family in so many households uh, across the many nations, not only in the in developed uh, nations, but in uh, developing nations where uh, television has uh, also been, in, uh, been inserted and is having an impact. Uh, so it's really, a, it's very much a global issue. But many people, for many people, it's a member of the family, it is the primary source of information, news, and entertainment. After a hard day's work, many people come home, they're tired, they plop themselves down on their favorite easy chair, sofa, they reach for the remote control, turn the television on, and the mind goes on hold. And that's where the problem is. Think back to a time when you have observed young children or older adults watching television. Notice the expression on their faces. Blank. They, they have this vacant, far-away look in their eyes. And that's because they are in a hypnotic trance. 
And when we watch television, you can catch yourself going into that state where you're losing all sense of time and place. Now, the hypnotic state of mind is, is a natural state. We, we go in and out of it throughout the day. It's a twilight state, uh, like just waking up in the morning or go, drifting off into sleep at night. It's, there's no conscious mental activity going on. And again, we go in and out of this uh, throughout the day. The, the first objective for a propagandist or an advertiser is to create the conditions that will produce a state of mind that is favorable to the reception of their message. And that state of mind happens to be the hypnotic state of mind. And television induces this altered state automatically, regardless of the content, because of the nature of the medium. Now, although the picture appears to be stationary, it's actually flickering. And we don't see it consciously, but subconsciously, the repetitive pattern of the flicker induces the hypnotic state. Now, the hypnosis is based on focusing the attention of the conscious mind on one or more of the five senses. In the case of the media, talking about sight and sound. The flicker effect induces the trance state. A hypnotist will use his voice in a sing-song pattern to get his subject or patient to lock onto the sound. In doing so, it clears the mind of all thoughts so that the message can go unimpeded directly into the subconscious. When we have the opportunity to think about a message, a piece of information we've been presented with, and make the decision whether or not we are going to accept it, if we, we uh, uh, analyze it and determine that it's uh, not something we, we believe to be true, it gets filed away in the memory banks of our subconscious like that with a, with a, uh, a, a tag, a code file. And uh, whenever we are presented with that piece of information again, then we retrieve that uh, file and uh, make a comparison. So uh, an advertiser or a propagandist doesn't want us to think about the message. They want us to respond. The, the whole point of programming is to build a conditioned response in the target population so that people will respond automatically with a preference for a particular product or a particular idea without thinking about it. Now, one example, and I'm sure many of your listeners uh, can relate to this. We've all experienced this. Have you ever bought something and then later on wondered why you bought it? Yeah, buyer's remorse, yes. Yes. And it not only, uh, not only applies to uh, 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 the commercial world and buying, and buying things, but have you ever said or done something and then later wondered, well, why did I say that? Why did I do that? It's because of this mechanism having been activated. Now, there are different techniques that are used to deepen the trance state. It's, uh, uh, for example, in television commercials, uh, flashing words, flashing numbers, designed to uh, get the eye to focus on the repetitive pattern, keep the, keep the mind blank so that there's no conscious mental activity going on. Again, for the analysis is anathema to uh, the message of an advertiser or a propagandist. Think for a moment about the way newscasters speak. And you realize that regardless of their ethnic background, whether they be black, white, Hispanic, Oriental, with few exceptions, they all sound alike. The pattern speech of a newscaster is similar to that of a hypnotist. 
the eye contact made with a viewer by the newscaster looking directly into the camera and into the eyes of the viewer is also another hypnotic technique. The newscaster is an authority figure encouraging acceptance of the message uh, or the information as, as being true, uh, even if people don't understand it. Most people don't think about the things that affect them subconsciously. And generally, they don't know what to look for until, until these things are pointed out to them, and then it can be recognized for what it is, which is an invasion of the privacy and sanctity of our mind. So people can be led to believe something that is not true when the information is carefully timed, presented by an accepted and respected authority, and then repeated over and over and over and over again until it becomes a conditioned response. So we don't necessarily see things as they are. We see things as we are. And it happens automatically. The, the mind automatically and involuntarily rejects information that is not consistent with what we already believe. There's a, a term for this. It's called cognitive dissonance. It means that it's difficult for some people and nearly impossible for others to consider information that does not fit into their preconceived mindset, even if that information is exactly what they need to understand the world in which they find themselves. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty all-encompassing problem. Well, that, it is interesting, uh, a number of things you said there. First, as someone who hosts a show called The Conspiracy Show, we examine uh, conspiracies. Uh, and uh, from time to time, for example, in my new television show, I will engage skeptics, include them in the in the dialogue. And uh, they, some of them are, are legitimate skeptical inquirers. They're willing to consider the evidence. Others are more debunkers. And even if you present them with evidence, for example, and I, I think this is what you're talking about, if you present them with uh, data, let's say from the state of California, you know, water sample testing, and you found, and you can show them, you know, that the aluminum particulates in the water is 161,000 parts per million, and it's uh, dangerous levels, and that you're able to connect a dot back to say, you know, chemtrails or something like that. Even though they have the document in front of them, they they just will not, they will not discuss, they will not engage. Uh, is is that the sort of thing that you're that, talking that, about, causing and yes. dissonance? Yes, uh, and also what you're describing of, is, uh, in many cases, those people are doing damage control uh, t t to discredit information that is damaging to the prevailing powers that be. Okay, the other thing that's happening, though, in television is that we have competing memes now, finally. I mean, uh, for some reason, uh, uh, conspiracies are attractive to sponsors and, uh, and, and broadcasters because, let's face it, there's a market for it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten a television show. Mm -hmm. So now that we have these competing memes, we have the conspiracy of people now getting a voice and talking about things they wouldn't have been allowed to talk about, and then you have... The, uh, the official version, which is being broadcast from the news outlets and so forth. So it's, I'm not seeing sort of a cohesive sort of conspiracy from the top to, to prevent and to brainwash people from getting to the truth if they're allowing for these competing memes. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it does make sense. But uh, we, we are given true factual information mixed with inaccurate information and lies. And it's, 
uh, it's also meant to make people feel that things have progressed too far for them to have an impact and to do anything about it, that it's a done deal. Right. Let, let's get Nelson Thal in here you with know, a question. I, I, first of all, what he's saying is, is so true. I mean, television is, as McLuhan said, a, a tremendous drug. It's, uh, I think that what also we have to recall, remember is that we are now at the point where new technologies are going around television, that television was the most powerful force for dumbing people down and putting them to sleep. It was a powerful drug. Now, with uh, the mind-reading technology and the understanding of the different frequencies at which the mind operates, they have transmitters in the London tubes, 10,000 transmitters, and they no longer have to design specific entertainment content to do the dumbing down. Now they can beam it right into our brains on certain frequencies. And in, there's 10,000, Richard, major towers in the London tubes broadcasting invisible rays that can alter people's emotions and feelings and put them into the same hypnotic state that they used to use television for. So there's even more high-tech forms of electronic uh, warfare being launched on us that we don't need a TV set. We don't have to watch that show, begin the, the music, the fashion industry, which is all part of the same propaganda. Now they just beam it at us. It's, it's, so I think that's important to understand. And, you know, to, uh, it's uh, his book, um, uh, Colonel Bearden, is, is on the leading edge of, of exposing uh, these uh, these electromagnetic pulse and electromagnetic mm. weapons what about that, that are, are used to, to brainwash us and to read our minds, etc. Any thoughts on that, Stephen? Oh, yes. Well, the, the gentleman uh, Nelson is absolutely correct in and, and, uh, bringing uh, this up that uh, information can be uh, direct implanted directly into our minds so without uh, the necessity for for the television obviously um, the solution is to listen to radio well uh, even there uh, it's radio is also uh, been used uh, before television you had radio where the same techniques uh, are being used famous example the broadcast in 1938 the radio broadcast of Orson Welles's uh, rendition of H.G. Wells' yes. War of the Worlds. Yes. It caused panic throughout the United States. Right. And people actually died as a result of it. And people believed that New Jersey was being invaded by Martians. The reason they did believe that was that the broadcast was done as a news broadcast with the anchor person bringing in outside experts to comment on what reporters were reporting on in the field. Right. And in spite of the fact that there were disclaimers at the beginning and throughout the program, the population had already been programmed and conditioned to accept the format of the presentation, the news broadcast, as the means by which we receive true factual information. Interesting. Stephen, hold on. We'll get back to uh, more of our discussion on mind control in America with Stephen Jacobson and Nelson Thal here on The Conspiracy Show, AM 740. So, a rich little man with white hair died. What has that got to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people 
And 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now because less than 3% of you people read books. Because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged, and nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Ah, the great George Carlin. You know, I, the, the great comedians... They're not that funny. They're just truthful. And I found, I never found Carlin to be knee-slappingly funny, like a Robin Williams or whomever. He's just, he's a prophet. He spoke the truth. And maybe that's why they took him out, if in fact they did. Stephen Jacobson is uh, with us. His website is www.mindcontrolinamerica.com. It's a website and it's a book, is it not, uh, Stephen? uh, It's uh, a series of audios. Uh, because it's uh, more effective for people to be able to hear examples. Uh, I use the techniques that I talk about to illustrate them so that the listener has a frame of reference from which to be able to recognize them when they observe them being used. So I, I found the uh, audio uh, to be more effective than the than the printed word. Yeah, we, we, we talked about to McLuhan's uh, The Medium is the Message. And, I mean, that only goes so far. As you, as you pointed out, the technology certainly is what's most, which is very, what is very important. But I look at it as, uh, the technology. Uh, that sort of creates the condition, the susceptibility of the mind to accept certain memes or ideas. So that's sort of the hardware. But the content is important insofar as that's sort of the software, that if there's an agenda, it's going to be delivered through the content, not necessarily through the, the technology. That, that is correct, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when I'm watching television these days, and, you know, you go back to 9-11 and the, the absolute trauma uh, that was created with, with, with those images that stick with us to this day, uh, and just showing them over and over and over, and not only the towers coming down, but those horrendous images of people actually jumping out of the, off the building and landing with this sickening thud. And it carries on into today. I just noticed, whenever I sit down and watch television, it's like I've been, I'm being beaten over the head with a club, and it's not it could even be a sitcom. It's just a, a constant barrage of shouting... I feel traumatized. Uh, there's a the the, yeah. the the fellow that's on TV uh, talking about the stock market. Kramer, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Kramer. Yeah, yep. the money. Jim Kramer. He screams. I feel like I have been assaulted after yes. an hour of him. No offense to him. He's an entertainer, but uh, this trauma. Does this have anything to do with what you're talking about? Yes, yes, it does. Because the the electronic media and television in particular literally plugs into our nervous system. Uh, an extreme example of this to illustrate it, uh, you may recall 
back in uh, the late 90s, uh, well, 1997, I believe. It was reported all over the world in the world press that more than 700 children had to be hospitalized in response to watching a TV cartoon. Now, this happened in Japan. Uh, it was the very popular Pokemon cartoon. And in this particular episode, strobing flashes of light pulsated from the eyes of one of the cartoon characters, causing epileptic-like seizures in some of the children who were watching the program. Other children experienced uh, spasms and, uh, and nausea. All in all, 700 were hospitalized. And in the United States, the USA Today newspaper reported the event with this headline, U.S. Kids Safe from Cartoon Seizures. And then the story went on to say, parents need not worry. American children aren't likely to suffer seizures provoked by TV cartoons. <laughs> now, what they were doing, what uh, USA Today was saying, what they really were saying was, America, go back to sleep. Everything's all right. Don't think. Sleep. Yeah, it was it gave Sega toys. Say the Sega machines have warnings that uh, that they can cause epilepsy. Yeah. And uh, what about uh, what about three D? What uh, what's the sinister effect that that's going to have on our minds? Uh, as far as uh, uh, on television, well, the movie theaters and or television, but the whole act of putting on the glasses and splitting the brain the way it does. Uh, uh, Interesting observation. I really haven't looked uh, into that uh, uh, th that uh, particular uh, issue. Uh, I would suspect that uh, uh, what you just said, the splitting, uh, w would have uh, 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 an impact on uh, on, uh, on brain functioning because the cutting, quick cutting. Yeah, that was developed in TV commercials and in the uh, music videos. Uh, cutting from uh, one angle to another, extreme angles, quick cutting, will cause uh, a corresponding chemical electrical response in the brain, releasing endorphins that have a drug-like effect on the body. In fact, hyperactivity in children, uh, attention deficit disorder, was practically unheard of before the advent of television. And children, they can sit fixated in front of the TV screen with, without moving. But then when they're away from TV, they have this, all this nervous energy, that they, and this inability to focus, which uh, uh, television uh, does program a short attention span uh, for this very reason. And children are looking for the same kind of drug-like effect fix. Uh, away from TV that they get from watching television. Is this an unintended, an unintended consequence, or is this deliberate? Uh, I, I, I think that uh, it was uh, uh, may not have been anticipated, but certainly uh, with the recognition that it does this, that they, uh, uh, they being uh, uh, those who uh, are controlling the media, would take advantage of it. Well... Richard, of course, um, it was Otto Petzl, famous German uh, researcher, who wrote about uh, he developed a machine in the 19th century uh, uh, 
called, was it the 19th century, the 20th century, called the tactistoscope. And he wrote about uh, flashing images. This was a machine which he developed. Petzl developed it, the tactistoscope it was called. And what he did is he flashed images at high speed beyond the ability of the conscious to see. And then he studied their dreams. And he took people who were, of course, dreamed a lot and had a had a good a high dream IQ, and he found that the images which they had never seen consciously started to show up in their subconscious, and this led to the whole development of subliminal effects in 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 TV, and it had a huge effect on the Coke sales of Coke, and of course, two books called Subliminal Seduction and Media Exploitation by Wilson Brian Key, which McLuhan wrote the foreword to, really go into how they use subliminal effects to alter people's behavior. So there was a lot of use of both the medium and the content to brainwash people, dumb them down, put them into a state of total etherealization, which they are today. They're totally brainwashed, subconscious. And McLuhan said they were living consciously within the subconscious as a result of it. Yes. Well, uh, when this first came to public attention in the uh, late 1950s, uh, uh, with the publication of Vance Packard's uh, book, uh, The Hidden Persuaders, where it was revealed that American industry was researching the use of subliminal technology to encourage people to buy their products. And at the same time, the uh, famous experiment in a New Jersey movie theater where the message, hungry, eat popcorn and drink Coca-Cola, were flashed on the movie screen at one three-thousandth of a second every five seconds. So people didn't see the message consciously, but subconsciously it it did have an impact on on them because the sales for both popcorn and Coca-Cola increased significantly. And and people were upset, and and rightly so. They saw the implications of, uh, one, it was an invasion of the privacy of their mind that here American industry was looking to... uh, influence people without their conscious awareness and, and that's the ultimate of control is to control people with the without their conscious awareness and so there was a public outcry over it the congress got involved there were hearings about it in various state legislatures but uh nothing resulted like uh, often happens over a period of time people get distracted with other issues and no laws were passed and even if there had been laws passed to pro- prohibit the use of subliminal messages, it would be impractical to try to police it. It would require uh, inspecting every frame of film, every frame of video, and it just uh, it just couldn't be done. The you know, you know, just what, let me say, you know, um, Richard, Mr. Steve Jacobson is doing a great job. He's pointing out exactly the history here, and he couldn't be more bang on. And it's as McLuhan said, uh, these things are the juicy piece of meat carried by the burglar to distract the watchdog of the mind. Yeah. Uh, I, you mentioned that uh, you say all the problems in America are the result of people being led to believe things that are not true. Give us an example of, of, of what you mean, uh, some, something specifically maybe in, in, in the news today. Well, gee, you know, uh, uh, 9-11 is, a, is really a classic example uh, regarding who's, who was responsible. Okay, so how are they using the uh the television uh t- to further that end and and well any any message that one is uh 
repeated over and over again. You take a piece of information that uh, uh, it was uh, the result, well, uh, that the uh, the stories that we were fed at the time itself. Uh, when the when the towers came down, there was a, a particular interview that uh, uh, one of the first interviews of a man on the street man uh, uh, he was identified called the Harley man he had a Harley Davidson t-shirt on and he's describing what he saw and he's talking uh, he, and he, he mentions that all uh, oh, the buildings came down the building comes down because uh, of the uh, of the structural damage uh, he was talking in a way that uh, normal conversation does not occur and uh, uh, he was most definitely a plant for sure absolutely and so, and so that that's, that shows that that one uh, that people in very high places uh, were um, both monitoring and controlling the information that was being fed to the public. Played and, the pancake card. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier at the top of the show uh, about the uh, the JFK uh, conspiracy. Yes. What happened there? Um, at that particular time, interestingly enough, uh, when the attention of the public was was focused on this tragedy, the Federal Reserve switched the currency. The currency at at one time said uh, on the uh, on the uh, on the bills itself, it said the United States of America will pay to the bearer on demand. X number of dollars. In other words, uh, uh, and this is at the heart of the, uh, the dishonest money system. It was legal that, uh, tender, uh, yeah. The w- world has been saddled with that uh, a paper money is a warehouse receipt for real wealth being held on deposit in a bank vault. And so it was a receipt uh, uh, for gold or silver coin uh, that was identified as lawful money. So uh, it wasn't the money, it was a money substitute. And uh, it for convenience sake, that's how it uh, how it came about. So people wouldn't be saddled with um, uh, weighty coins in their pockets. Uh, they had these pieces of paper that could be exchanged, uh, redeemed for the for the real wealth. During the uh, when Kennedy was assassinated, during that time, these the Federal Reserve replaced all currency in the country where the redemption clause taken out. The con- there was a contract on, on the bill uh, that was taken out, and so the piece of paper that was represented, say, $20, if it was a $20 bill, it was a receipt where you could get $20 gold or silver. The piece of paper overnight became what it was supposed to be redeemed for. In other words, uh, uh, and people didn't notice because everything kind of looked pretty much the same except for that modification. Enter the fiat money system. Yeah. Interesting. All right. We'll take a time out. Stephen Jacobson is with us. And uh, the website is mindcontrolinamerica.com. We'll tell you how to obtain the audio cassette series as well. Nelson Thal stays with us in studio, a media scientist. We'll open up the phones. We have a few minutes to work in some calls. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from Thunder Bay 
to the Carolinas and Maine to Minnesota, 1-866-744-740. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! I'm mad as hell! I'm not going to take it anymore! I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore! Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. It's very difficult for people to get angry anymore. I mean, a justifiable, rational anger that is sometimes called for. I, I presided over the, um, the presentation of the Canadian theatrical de- debut of um, Ed Griffin's new movie, What in the World Are They Spraying? And if, that, if there's a movie that should get you angry, that should get you out of your chair, on the phone, or on the fax to your MP, saying, what are you spraying on us? What are you doing to my children and my grandchildren? Why are you putting heavy metals in our water, etc.? And here's the data, you know, 161,000 uh, parts per million in, in the water in California of aluminum oxide, which causes cancer, which blocks up your arteries, which causes Alzheimer's, which is an epidemic level in the L.A. It's the eighth largest cause of death now in L.A. Eighth really? Alzheimer's. Okay? If there's, if there's something that should get people angry, it should be a film like that. But what do we do? We go home. We, we're angry as we leave the theater. By the time we get in the car, that angry, anger dissipates. We have all the intention of faxing our MP. And a few people do. Yeah. But most of us, we're not capable of anger anymore, Stephen Jacobson. We're not capable. Uh, and people say, well, you know, we're these conspiracies, how could they be doing this? People would, would, would uh, you know, we, we would be rioting in the streets. But we don't. We're numbed. Yeah, we don't riot in the streets. Is it the, is it the television combined with the fluoride in the water and the Paxil that they're dispensing like Pez? What is it? Oh, it, it, it's everything. People are hypnotized by the pressures of life itself. And so when, when people are subjected to prolonged stress, inducing stress, tension, anxiety, fear in a population is a strategy of psychological warfare. And when, when people are not at peace and comfortable within themselves, if they're all uptight and stressed, then they're not going to see things that are happening right in front of them, uh, and they're not going to react in the same way uh, if they uh, were in a different frame of mind. Uh, when, I, when I first got involved in this research, uh, what, and a, a significant event that got me involved in it was that I was given the results of private research investigating programming and deprogramming. My, my father was a hypnotherapist, and he was working uh, as a consultant to the medical profession for more than 20 years. He developed an audio that at one time doctors wrote prescriptions for pa- their patients to have this audio to aid in the treatment of different health problems, physical, emotional, psychological problems, uh, people suffering from chronic pain where medication wasn't helping. Uh, people suffering from uh, respiratory ailments, uh, one, only had one lung, uh, had severe emphysema. Uh, the audio 
uh, is a uh, uh, deprogramming audio. Uh, it trains the listener to to relearn something that comes natural to us as children, and that is how to be comfortable and relaxed. Uh, people have a level of tension that they consider normal, and it's anything but normal. But what it has done is the breathing, for most people, is very shallow, so they're not oxygenating the blood effectively. And so the audio trains the listener to experience what it feels like to be more relaxed by slowing down the breathing pattern and experience life from that altered state, a more natural state. And it's no wonder that people can't think clearly because they're not getting enough oxygen to the brain and to the nervous system. All health problems originate from stress and tension, anxiety. So this was uh, 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 my father turned over his research to me uh, and the audio, and I was working as a film editor in New York City at the time. This was in 1980. I saw the implications, and it ultimately led to my leaving the career I was pursuing to investigate this whole issue of mind control and mental manipulation. And that ultimately led to, led to the Mind Control in America audio series, uh, available on both uh, CDs and, and, uh, and cassettes. Uh, the, the first audio is called Mind Control in America, and that is a summary of the mind control issue, uh, defining the principles, describing the techniques, giving examples for the listener to hear, and then placing the whole issue into historical perspective as well as spiritual perspective. Uh, it's uh, a full production with music and sound effects so that it's uh, interesting to listen to. Uh, aside from all the information there, it's uh, it's meant to be listened to more than once. There's a lot of information there. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll find out how people can order that in a second. Let's uh, let's get a call in here from Calgary, sure. Calgary, Alberta. Barry, you're on The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Good evening. I was just wondering what the views of your guest were relative to the way the news media presented the Gulf War in 1991, beginning on the evening of January the 16th, running to about the end of March, which very often seemed to me to be very much like we were being shown a video game in which the enemy was uh, not a real enemy, but a kind of virtual enemy. Could your guests perhaps comment? Uh, yes, I, I don't remember the exact dates of what was happening there, but uh, mentioning the video game, uh, the military uh, uses or has used something called the multi-purpose arcade combat simulator, Code Max, uh, similar to the Nintendo uh, Doom game. And there are many games out there directed towards young people uh, that uh, uh, are directed towards um, developing hand-eye uh, motor skills uh, uh, so that uh, young people can uh, uh, be, uh, uh, it's training people to, one, desensitize them to acts of violence and training them uh, to be uh, uh, sharpshooters. All right, Barry, thank you for that. Arthur's in Toronto. Go ahead, Arthur. Welcome to The Conspiracy Hi. Show. Maybe I should have told you, a receptionist, I'm not calling from Toronto, California. I heard that there was a Toronto in California. Do you know if that's right? Uh, I'm not yes. sure. There's a lot of Torontos. In, in uh, any event, are the question. Yeah, anyway, this has to do with your subject. A lot of people might not think so, but a way of either reducing it or practically eliminating stress is to pay attention 
to what those people call to your doors, which those witnesses talk about the Bible's promise that they had, you first humans would have had the opportunity to be young and happy forever on a paradise earth, not in heaven, because God didn't promise them heavenly life, but earthly life. That's why he put the food in the ground, not just for the birds and animals to eat, but for humans to constantly eat all the time. All right, Arthur. Well, my answer to you, Arthur, is good stuff for telling us that. And let's also remember that uh, uh, as long as uh, Lucifer, the prince of the power of the air, reigns until El Shaddai returns and puts him away, he'll continue to distract humanity. Uh, a distraction. That, that's really what we are talking about in many respects in, in television. So w- w- you mentioned, uh, uh, Stephen, you know, c- concentrating on, on, on breathing and so forth. W- what are the other... Uh, Antidotes to uh, to this problem aside from just shutting off the television. I mean, obviously that's well, one thing, but there's other technologies that can have the same effect. First step is education. Uh, for, uh, before people can do something about a problem, they have to understand what the true nature of the problem is, uh, and that's why the audio is providing information. And then I do offer my father's uh, uh, audio. Information is on the website about that. It's called Personal Comfort Training, and that's, uh, uh, it makes for a, uh, a package, a deprogramming package. But the, the fundamental issue, it, it's really a spiritual issue. The, the mind is the gateway to the soul. That's why there's a mind control issue. And it, it's geared towards trying to prevent or retard the spiritual awakening of mankind. Because with that awakening, the control that the ruling elite have, and who, who are a relatively small number of people, uh, the only way a small group of people can control and manipulate the masses is through deception and illusion. And with, a real, with a, an awakening, they, they lose control. So it's really the, the, that, the real action is, on, is the, on, on the spiritual platform, and that's where the solution is. We're not, gonna, we're not going to fix the problems that we face with Band-Aid measures, trying to fix uh, the economy. If, and you're never going to fix the economy without doing something about the dishonest money system, because that has contaminated and corrupted all areas of society, including organized religion, which is part of the problem, too. The fundamental problem for mankind is people have misidentified themselves as the physical body and as the mind. And in, in that misidentification, they, people can, are subjected to the kind of propaganda that we are, where the purpose of life becomes the gratification of the senses of the body. And because people are afraid of dying, because the body does die, uh, and if you think that that's what you are, the body, then t- you're going to try to get as much as you can while you're here uh, and uh, uh, to enjoy the so-called good life because yeah. everyone is focused. That's our training. If that's it feels the, good, do it, yes. Yeah. Well, that was sort of the mantra of the... Of the uh, of the 60s and certainly the 70s. Listen, uh, for for those interested in getting the uh, the audios, they can write MCIA Media, Post Office Box 326, Ashboro, North Carolina 27204. I've got the information on my homepage at richardserrett.com. It's there for anyone uh, if they want to log on and, and write that down. Again, MCIA Media, Post Office Box 326, Ashboro, North Carolina 27 
1-800-227-8204. Stephen? And again, the, the website, uh, uh, the information is on the website, and people can order it online uh, using a credit card. That's uh, mindcontrolinamerica.com, mindcontrolinamerica.com. Stephen, this has been real enlightening, and uh, I'd like to have you on again uh, sometime soon. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. All right. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and Nelson. Thanks. Thank you. It was just great. Thanks for talking with Thanks, us. Thanks, Stephen. Nelson, thank you for a terrific uh, two hours, the JFK anniversary uh, special. Always find your uh, your your uh, ability to connect the dots uh, to be truly remarkable. I mean, you and others, uh, you, you've mentioned you're, you're standing on the shoulders of giants, McLuhan and Kennedy and Mae Russell and, and uh, Sherman Skolnick and others, yeah. but... Uh, uh, 47 years on, so many, uh, so many questions remain, but the answers seem to be right there in front of us. Yeah, don't we they? just scratched the surface, and uh, if I can give my plug, it's bloomandsteel.com, and people can listen to myself and uh, Mrs. Steele. Uh, they just go to Shock Talk at bloomandsteel.com, and it's just so great being here with you, Richard. You uh, were my uh, brought me on back in the early on. I would, never got on to radio to talk about JFK if it wasn't for you. And I just want to thank you for all the uh, opportunity you've given me. It's just been terrific. All right, thank you, Nelson. As always, next week on the program, an absolutely riveting discussion with the former Defense Minister of Canada, Paul Hellier. Talk about secret societies. Here is a man that was at one time the deputy prime minister of this country who is saying that there are cabals running the world, there is a shadow government, and uh, he'll talk about that and much more, along with Richard Dolan and his new book, After Disclosure, A.D., The People's Guide to Life After Contact. My thanks to Dan Ellison. We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, and come home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.